Third here, and welcome back to another episode of Strange Places. This podcast is brought to you by Asylum 817 Productions, Spotify, and DistroKid. And uh, yeah, we're back again. Episode 112. Ain't that something. I want to thank you guys for coming back every week. I want to thank just <laughs> it, it, it's amazing that we're we're still doing our thing and we got a lot more planned trust me you guys ain't seen nothing yet so this one mike markham very interesting individual i've been wanting to do kind of a time travel-y thing for a while because we haven't talked about that in a bit time travel you know it, it's often seen as one of the greatest scientific topics of any era Hypothetical arguments and futuristic theories connecting some of the most fundamental questions of the universe with some of the most profound discoveries in the quantum world. Although scientists and academia regard this concept as being completely impossible in the real world and a violation of any kind of entropic theory, right? There still exists a small handful of people dedicated to this. In such a way that they end up putting their lives on the line for what they believe in. And I think the most prominent is the mad known as uh, the man known as Madman Mike Markham. He'd very much put his life on the line for everything that he believed in and would become the center of one of the strangest time travel mysteries on the internet or anywhere. Back in 1995, Michael Markham had been working out of his home and seemed to suffer from a long bout of unemployment. Having spent a few years studying for an electrical engineering major, Markham believed that as long as he could find a way to fund his private work, he'd be able to stumble across a great invention that would allow him to get out of his financial situation. At the age of 21, however, Markham began to grow increasingly desperate. It was around this time that Mike was messing around with a simple electrical design known as a Jacob's Ladder. Uh, if you don't know what that is, I mean, where, where Jacob's ladder, it's, how do I explain what it is? <laughs> it's a simple electrical device with a focus of demonstrating the movement of electricity. It's paired with rising hot, uh, I'm not an electrician, so let's pull up a kind of a description of it. <laughs> I would fail to describe it properly. Okay, according to the physics dis description, the transformer located at the bottom of a Jacob's Ladder creates the potential difference between two lines that are positioned vertically and parallel to another. Due to this spatial difference, see, normally I would just give you just a layman's version, but I think describing it in detail is going to mean a lot in a minute. Due to the spatial difference, the electrons, they repel each other, and it causes them to jump from one wire to the other parallel wire. The separation of electrons creates an arc, arching like visible spark that connects the two wires. The spark heats up the surrounding air and acts as kind of a third wire, since the air acts as like a conductor. Once heated sufficiently because hot air rises, right, the spark begins to rise with the air, causing an arc to vertically ascend. If you've never seen a Jacob's Ladder, look it up. They're, they're pretty fascinating. When the spark gets to the top, the spark dies. It cuts off the connection between the two wires and it starts over again. Just zip, 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 zip. All, you know, keep, it just keeps going. Now, according to Markham, once he got his Jacob's Ladder working, he, he actually used a CD player laser 
to help reduce the air resistance between the two iron poles, you know, he created a, he was trying to create a continuous arc, not one that just kept looping. A continuous standing arc of electricity without the connection being severed at all. And supposedly he achieved this. He claimed to have witnessed something remarkable. Markham claimed that the electrical arc began to form a vortex that distorted his vision when directly looked into and appeared to have been almost three-dimensional in appearance. Curious as to what effect this vortex would have, he tossed a sheet metal screw into it and watched the electricity form around the screw before causing the screw to disappear and vanish into thin air. Originally, Markham believed that he discovered a small primitive form of an electrical death ray. But then after a few seconds had elapsed, he watched the screw suddenly reappear and drop down from the wires as if it suddenly had been transported back right in front of him from somewhere. He believed that what he'd actually witnessed were the properties of a time machine. He believed that the sheet metal screw had been transported through time and then suddenly reappeared. Once time caught up with the screw or when the portal ran out of juice, it was transported back. Unfortunately, before he could make another attempt to test out this new theory, the compact laser disc he was, you know, laser he was using for his experiments caught fire. It burned up. Given Markham's desperation and increasingly terrible financial situation, he quickly wanted to reattempt this experiment. But instead, to scale up the experiments in the hopes that he could send himself into the future, see, what he was wanting to do is, his aim was to send himself into the future to retrieve the winning lottery numbers. Who wouldn't? <laughs> Not only for the obvious, but he could fund his experiments this way. Before finding a way to jump back in time and win the lottery without wasting a second's time, he went to a lot of electrical engineering stores in his area, and he got way stronger transformers. But he found that to scale up his experiment, he was kind of, well, I mean, he, he found out that he would require a transformer that would have cost him over $20,000. Due to the financial problems, as you can imagine, he was completely deflated. Several days passed before he would come up with another plan. After remembering that there was a local power station nearby, he secretly traveled to the place at night and discovered an unprotected power station, like a substation, with no one around the area at all, not even surveillance cameras. After spending several hours looking the place over and scouting the place, basically cased the joint, he found six inactive transformers between over 300 pounds each. These things were capable of generating several tons of the energy he required for his experiment his experiment to succeed. I know it's not measured in tons, but we're talking like gigawatts here. Just insane amounts of power. Once home, Mike connected the transformers to the house's power and constructed his new and improved Jacob's Ladder, several times larger than the previous, and got ready to jump into the stream of arcing electricity. Once the power turned on, however, the overloading of the electrical grid caused by these mega transformers led to a massive brownout in the area. Half of the city suffered from electrical damage, not just a you know, not just a run-of-the-mill blackout. I mean, this fried several hundred home appliances all over the area, shut down the electrical grid for several hours. I mean, it caused some major damage. 
Even worse for Markham, his six Transformers, all of them overloaded, and were no longer functioning for him to conduct his experiment. Now, through kind of a strange coincidence, Mike's roommate would attract their visit from the police after getting into a dispute with the next-door neighbor. According to the report, Markham had been blamed for supposedly shooting out the glass screen door of their next-door neighbor's place, despite not having been anywhere near the area at the time of the incident. Frustrated by the accusation, and let's be honest, shitty luck, Markham told the police he had nothing to do with the event and that the only person who owns a BB gun in the home was his roommate, and who most likely you know, did it. In, in retaliation you know, for spilling the beans, the roommate then turned on Mike and told the police, yeah, pretty shitty friend, told the police that, well, I mean, what Mike did was extremely illegal. But regardless, he told the police about the Transformer experiment and explained where they could find evidence of the experiment that caused this massive brownout. I'd probably say something too, honestly. I mean, <laughs> he fried an entire city block, you know what I mean? Law enforcement officers looked into an outside shed where several of the stolen Transformers were being kept. Mike Markham was arrested and taken to jail. Now, you know, none of this is speculation. I mean, this this stuff happened. This part, you know, so far. <laughs> After trial, Markham received a total of 60 days in the clink. Although Markham was found with over $13,000 of stolen material and having caused damage to several hundred thousand dollars worth of electrical equipment, home appliances, you fucking name it, Markham would only receive two months due to the kind of weird comments he made during his trial, raised a few eyebrows. According to the arresting officer and the judge, Mike Markham had confessed to the crime and said he had successfully discovered how to construct a time machine and was only trying to send himself into the future so he could retrieve the winning lottery numbers. That way he could help fund and build his own private research lab. Once the judge heard this, <laughs> the judge realized that Markham was possibly severely mentally impaired. To the judge, Mike appeared to have been suffering from some sort of delusion or illness, thus resulting in him receiving the minimum required sentence. And it doesn't end there. After the trial, the local newspaper, the Kansas City Star, they would run a story on the Markham case with kind of a tongue-in-cheek tone, to put it lightly. The story would receive quite a bit of popularity while Mike Markham was in jail. So much so that you know, <laughs> our uh, the patron saint of strange places, I'll say, Art Bell, the host of the paranormal and supernatural radio show known as Coast to Coast AM, would reach out to Mike Markham to hear his side of the story. Hoping to receive additional funding for his research into time travel, Mike agreed to go on the show to help build up a following and get his name out there to sympathetic ears. While on the show, Mike began telling his entire story and his thought process behind the time machine he was building, mentioning theories surrounding time travel, such as the weird you know, electromagnetic fields that could be created with the right equipment, vortexes generated by the Philadelphia experiment, stuff like that. I mean, he told the story, but a lot of the callers did not believe that Mike actually did cause a blackout across his small town and claimed that the arrest was a ruse just to sell his story as being actually covered up by the U.S. government. Now, despite arguing with a lot of the callers, 
And it's kind of bizarre to listen to because it took a little bit to track this episode down. But as I was listening to it, it, it was kind of amazing. A, a caller joined the air and started supporting Mike's claims. Now, what I began to believe, <clears throat> you know, uh, and I, I think the general consensus started to kind of shift here, too, with everybody. The listeners began to believe, including myself, what Mike was saying as it turned out the caller on the radio show was actually Mike's arresting officer, of all people, who helped to provide additional details about the case, as well it was what it was like to see Mike's personal lab. This guy talked at length. It's really interesting to listen to. He even said that Markham was found with an invention for, for uh, electronic cigarettes that he'd never seen before. He made it from broken, par broken parts of an old microwave, and an, he also invented an uh, electronic piggy bank. It was an, it, Mike designed all this stuff himself. He also rebuilt a better version of the electronic piggy bank and kept track. It, it, what this thing did was it kept track of the money that you put into the container and he coded everything too. I mean, this was just a couple of many alongside many other kind of strange homemade inventions, contraptions that Mike was wanting to patent and sell prior to, you know, the time machine invention. It's a bizarre episode. You should listen to it if you can find it. I should have bookmarked it, <laughs> but uh, if, I'm if I relocate it, I'll let you know. But by the end of the show, Mike got a, uh, from what I gather, Mike received a lot of calls from fellow time travel enthusiasts. They wanted to give him ideas on how to design and engineer the technology. He even got several thousand dollars worth of funding for his private time travel laboratory. He had more than enough money to retry his experiment, so the story goes. Now, we're getting into kind of the murky stuff now. But what we do know is that Art Bell asked Markham if he could instead try to work on other inventions instead of working to rebuild the time machine. You know, Markham admitted that he would use all of the money on the time machine and that he'd be sure to bring his cell phone with him on his journey to document the entire event. Now... If you knew that someone was going to be basically walking into a giant Jacob's Ladder, you would try to stop them too. So Art Bell tried to talk him out of it, but it all fell on deaf and completely uninterested ears. Months go by. Mike would contact Art Bell back to tell him about his new and improved time machine, created with the help of others who believed that a transformer made from copper lining and quartz crystal would help to create free energy. Once he figured out, a, and if you know anything about free energy, that's kind of a, you could dedicate a podcast to that. Once he figured out a way to tap into unlimited infinite zero point vacuum energy, as he put it, yeah, zero point vacuum energy. That was his, that's what he called it. Mike said that his design would be able to use over three gigawatts of power. From what I found, you know, like I said, I'm not an electrician, but this just blew my mind. This is more energy than a lightning bolt. This could power a million homes in one shot. Isn't that incredible? If it's true, oh my God. Believing that Mike Markham was entering a stage of delusion, as anybody would, Art Bell tempted to convince Markham that if he jumped into the electric charge of the Jacob's Ladder, yeah, it's not going to end well. Mike countered Art Bell saying that the Jacob's Ladder was nothing more than a beanstalk from the Jack and the Beanstalk legend and that he was perfectly safe. Now, you could tell at this point, because there were multiple episodes done, 
you could tell at this point that Art, you know, was just like flabbergasted. He didn't know what to say to Mike. Art Bell, on the air, I mean, he asked Mike that before he conducts the experiment, let him know so he can go over to his laboratory to either witness the first conclusive evidence of time travel or to talk him down from, you know, fucking frying himself. Uncharacteristic for Art Bell, he actually called Mike a madman on the show <laughs> for even attempting something so dangerous. He was one of the few that kind of broke Art's composure. But Mike kind of took it in stride, actually. He liked the nickname, so he decided to go by the name from that day on, Madman Mike Markham. And he continued with the experiment anyway. I think Art said that just so he could buy some time, you know, maybe to talk Mike down or get him to not do this. But before the show ended, Mike actually gave all of his listeners his personal home address. I tried to find one that wasn't bleeped out, but I can't find a version of the episode where you can actually hear the address. But he did, so that people could come and witness the result of the experiment. It was around this time that groups of people started showing up at Mike's house. Mike was concerned about this because he was often trolled over his weird, you know, time travel obsession. One time, Mike was talking about um, during a party with a few of his friends. He stepped away from the main room to talk with some people. And when he came back, the couch was gone. <laughs> Someone took it while he was gone and saying that it traveled through time. And Mike started accusing, accusing, questioning people, believing that someone moved or stole the couch. But several people started to tell Mike that the couch teleported and disappeared through time from an open vortex. And Mike looked through the whole house, never found his couch as his friends continued to laugh their asses off, you know. So naturally, he was kind of uh, leery about people coming over. Of course, he was the guy that gave away his damn address, but years. I don't, we don't see anything on Mike for years. Years. One time, just years later, this was like early 2000s. A listener of Coast to Coast AM called into the show and asked Art, Art Bell, about the story of Mike and what the hell happened, because we never got a follow-up. Art, then remembering the story, told the viewers he'd look into it and figure out whatever happened to Mike Markham. Art provided an update later after a little bit of research. He said that the phone number that used to belong to Mike no longer worked and that close friends of Mike had no idea where he went suddenly disappearing one day after he mentioned he was going to work on the time travel experiment. He disappeared. Intrigued by this, listeners into the Coast to Coast show that day started calling into the show and it just blew up. Ended up being one of his biggest episodes. But before the show ended, one caller had a theory surrounding Mike's sudden disappearance. According to the caller, there was a body that police had discovered back in the 1930s on a California beach. After an autopsy report, it appeared that the man fit the description of Mike Markham to the T, having been crushed to death from all angles as if, as if he'd been placed or suddenly materialized inside a metal tube used for construction. Even weirder, the man's body was found with weird plastic and metallic devices that were described eerily similar to what we, we, we would call a modern-day cell phone and a battery charger. Now, given the impossible-to-explain similarities between the body's description and Mike Markham, along with the fact that Markham claimed that if he conducted, you know, he would bring his phone, Bell and his listeners started to wonder if the body recovered back in the 30s was actually Markham from the distant future. 
Sudden twist in the story led to fascination with Markham hitting internet and complete popularity. We're still talking about it. The skeptics. They're saying that this disappearance is way less fantastic than people want to believe. See, interestingly, and interestingly enough, you know, Mike Markham, he was a frequent member and user of a website known as Paranormal Forum. He would post there a lot. I, I read through a lot of his uh, stuff. Most of it's kind of incoherent rambling. I mean, it's pretty out there. But, you know, he would update followers about theories, his time machine designs, and because of his financial problems, I was almost about ready to give up on this angle because some people say that, um, you know, he was talking about, or he had made some posts after his quote-unquote disappearance. I didn't see anything like that, but he did say something on these forums that kind of jumped out at me. He mentioned Hawaii. He decided, he said that if any, he, he said if his experiments failed, he would move away to Hawaii and provide himself, you know, kind of a break. And that's what some people think happened. He went into a depression, for, he lost all of his money, you know, and ended up in Hawaii. They say that today, Mark Markham is homeless. He's living on the beaches of Hawaii and stuff like that. And his story is perpetuated about this guy even today. It, it's, a, you know, a complete mystery. But I want to kind of dive into this Hawaii angle because... You'll hear some things about him not being there, and then you hear some things about um, that he ended up moving back to the States, and then there's that body, you know, back in the 1930s. To spare you, <laughs> the almost wanting to pull my hair out, trying to find this supposed body back in the 1930s, California, I went ahead and did that leg of the research already, and what I found was interesting in its own way. This episode is brought to you by the makers of the exciting new movie, Dissever. It's a psychological thriller about a struggling artist who is locked in a dangerous love triangle. This crowdfunding campaign is now live on SeedAndSpark.com. Hurry over there now to get a chance to become a movie producer on the film. A link will be provided in this episode's description, so show them some love. I... After searching high, low, and in between, I did not find any report at all from California around the time period, even remotely around the time period. Couldn't find anything about any kind of like construction pipe or find a, a dead body near the beach. I couldn't find anything. Like in every single part of that story, guy found in a pipe, weird stuff in his pockets. I even, you know, tried to find if any of the bodies found on California beaches around that decade. Cause you know, it, it does happen. Unfortunately, you get a vagrant or somebody washes up shore. Unfortunately, you know, that, that does happen. Um, beaches are used as dump sites. There was a serial killer active in the area and I just didn't find anything even remotely close to this supposed story. I mean, there was nothing. I looked all week for this story or anything even remotely like that. The only stuff I found, one was in England. It was very kind of Somerton man. I actually kind of, I actually uh, <laughs> wrote notes for that because I think it would make another cool episode of Strange Places, completely unrelated. But he did have some, you know, odd stuff in his pockets. This guy was in his 60s. And 
there's just nothing. There's a case that's kind of similar in Australia, but this was in the 1950s that a body unidentified was found. So what people are saying all over the internet, including Coast to Coast AM's website, actually, for a time, I had to use the Wayback Machine to look at it. It was saying this California story. I have no idea where this came from, but it was it was an exhaustive search. I found nothing. Now, normally, I would not let something like this deter me, and I would just keep looking and looking and looking until my eyes were about ready to fall out of my skull. If it truly didn't exist, I mean, I, uh, honestly, I could have looked more and I could have looked longer. I didn't do it as exhaustively as I normally do. But there's a reason for that. It kind of got to the point where I really didn't need to. Now, Mike Markham's second appearance, you know, in 1996, he maintained a low profile, disappeared from the public eye or was transported, transported through time, right? But what kind of amazed me is that, you know, he was known to, his disappearance, news about his disappearance came after 1997. But <laughs> after doing some major digging, I don't know why the original episodes were so easy to find, but Markham actually went back on the show on September 4th, 2015. 18 years, man. He talked about losing his house to a fire because of the experiment, and all the equipment was destroyed. He actually did live in Hawaii all the way up until the 2010s, and he was homeless for a while. So that part of the story was true. Now, some people are crying foul and saying that the person calling was not Mike Markham, that it was somebody posing to be him and all that. Well... I did a little bit more digging. It was rumored that he had a GoFundMe campaign. And I did some digging. Kind of narrowed my research to Hawaii, checked out the GoFundMe campaign. And in order for the government or whoever to fake this and say that Mike Markham was still around and to cover it up, because some people are saying that. This would have had to have been pretty elaborate. I mean, <laughs> this GoFundMe page, it was trying to raise funds for furthering his research and experiments. The page is unavailable, but he was only able to raise like $10. Kind of amazing considering his you know notoriety at the time. But in order for somebody to fake this or whatever, I mean, it's getting to the point where it's just nuts. Like, you know what I mean? If there's a conspiracy afoot, there has to come a time where you just like, okay, <laughs> we're actually lending credence to the story if we keep doing shit. You know, we just need to be quiet and back off. And then came February 13th, 2022. I found a post supposedly by Markham. It's on the same paranormal forum that he used to post at. He was saying, I'm alive and well and living in Hawaii. Rumors are ablazing. I'm quoting him or whoever posted this, rumors are ablazing that I'm dead, not well, and traveled to 1930 or something where I died on a beach in a tube. Whoever posted pictures of a redhead, that is also not me. The photos I wasn't convinced of. There were some photos circulating around of this guy, 1930s, you know, the body that they found. and It was obvious, obviously Photoshopped to look like Markham. 
but he had joined this particular forum in 2016, this area of the forum. And he was talking about his move to Hawaii. I want to, I want to search something. Mike Markham. Because it's kind of a rumor at this point that he has joined Facebook. Yeah, I see a Mike Markham on Facebook. But what, are people still crying foul on this too? This is getting a little bit too elaborate. <laughs> are there any recent photos of him? Is that why people are crying foul? I didn't know this when I was doing my research. Mike Markham is on Facebook. That's weird because like every photo, every reel, he's only showing his feet. Ah, uh, here we go. We have some recent photos. That's Mike? Uh, I know this was back in the 90s. And he's like, what, 49 now? <sighs> Let's look up old pictures of Mike. Okay. I'm not the best at facial recognition. I don't have like facial blindness or anything. But if I, you know, see the old Mike and new Mike together... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I could see a resemblance there for sure. He's got a cleft in his chin. He has a very uh, interesting shape to his nose. That looks a lot like him. Let's look up, let's see if we can find a better picture of Markham. This guy doesn't look like a natural redhead, but there's a very strong resemblance. Posting time travel stuff. Little experimental things he's still working on. Are these his kids? Does he have kids? Oh, that would be so cool. Look, Well, for all intents and purposes, I don't know if these are his kids or not, but it looks like he or who, you know, this person says is Mike Markham has, you know, moved on with his life. Still very interested in theoretical physics, all kinds of stuff like that. Pretty, pretty interesting. Are there any other photos of Markham on here? Uh, let's go to profile pictures. Okay. Yeah, he has not posted a lot of photos of himself. But the ones that he has posted, uh, yeah, he does look like an older Mike Markham. Mike Markham is very, uh, very, very ginger <laughs> back in the day. And this Mike Markham is doesn't look like he's even a natural redhead at all. But... As you age, you know, your hair does some crazy stuff. And uh, I've experienced this myself, actually. I grew up a blonde. I was a blonde kid. And I grew up in Southern California. And we moved to the Midwest when I was 13. My hair turned brown. And it was because there wasn't as, you know, the atmosphere is completely different. The climate is completely different. And I've heard about stuff like that happening. Yeah, my hair went from fucking bleach blonde to brown. Now it's almost black. Really dark brown now. I used to be a sandy blonde, too, when I lived in the Midwest. I live in Kentucky now. <laughs> it's like the further east I go, <laughs> my hair gets darker. So I guess if I want jet black hair, I'll have to move to, like, Florida or something. <laughs> but uh, this is a really interesting story. Do we know for sure that the person posting on Facebook and posting on these forums is indeed Mike Markham? I could see why some people are screaming conspiracy here. I can see that. 
But really, if you want to use some damn sense, in order to... <laughs> some people, <laughs> he still gets trolled in the comments on Facebook. It looks like, sorry, I was just reading a couple of them. <laughs> but <laughs> uh, he seems to kind of take it in stride now. But you would have to get unnecessarily, even even as dumb as the American government is and as leaky as it is and how shitty they are at covering up anything, this is too elaborate even for them. You know what I mean? Even they and their infinite shenanigans and fuckery, even they know when to shut the hell up and let a conspiracy peter out. This is overkill. Even for a complete idiot, this is overkill. You know, as far as faking all this, did Mike really stumble upon something time travel-wise? I mean, it looks like he really was trying these experiments, and I listened to the Art Bell episodes, and um, you know what? We should look up the house fire. Let me stop right. Let me stop here real quick because I'm kind of starting to develop a picture here. I think what happened was when he ended up burning the damn house down, if the house fire story is true. Okay, so I, I, you know what? I think a lot of it is riding on this house fire story because if we can confirm that that fire actually happened that night, that night, we can confirm that the person posting on these forums is Mike Markham. I think that's enough to conclusively say that Mike Markham is alive and well as you know, as of 2016, and we could buy everything he's saying, that he went to Hawaii, he was homeless, looks like he did move back to Ohio, he moved back to the States. So really, if we could track down the fire, if we could find an article or anything you know, official to where that actually happened, then we could buy at least this version of Mike Markham's uh, side of the story. But I think it would be safe to say at this point that if we can confirm that fire, um, you know, we're dealing with the real Mike Markham here and he didn't travel back in time. So let me cut right here and we'll see if we can find actual evidence of this fire. You know, it would be smarter actually. Okay. As I'm looking for fire stuff, I'm going to look up and see how many Mike Markhams, Mar Michael Markhams are currently living in the U.S. Uh, do, 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 college in St. Joe up near Stanbury. We have one, but he was born way after Markhams was supposed to disappear. Huh. 1998, Markham decided to test the machine himself. He jumped, woke up in a farm field in Ohio in the middle of nowhere, cold and hungry. His clothes were charred. Ended up going to a Cincinnati homeless shelter. Hmm. Now lives in Ohio. Returned to the warehouse in Kansas City only to find it empty. No traces of his notes or the machine. That sounds a little uh, made up. <laughs> okay, here we go. Kansas City newspaper. What year is this? Okay, I can't find shit on the GoFundMe page. I can't find anything about the house fire. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And it, it, this is... Okay, this is starting to get weird. <laughs> Everything that I try to look up with Mike Markham, I find 
even more like wild theories and more embellishments on the story and every you know now they're saying he created multiple time machines and he brought people back with him and the story just keeps blowing up the more i try to research stuff you know just more and more it's very urban legendy and <laughs> the more i try to look into things you know the evidence that we supposedly have i get more and more dead ends this is weird. Okay, now, now I'm kind of starting to freak out a little bit. <laughs> because I, I can't find nothing on the fire, nothing on the GoFundMe page. I can, I, I actually can kind of see why everybody thinks that this Facebook page is weird. Because it, it, there's just something odd about it. He's only filming his feet. The photos kind of look like Mark, Mike Markham. I can see a resemblance there, but it looks so contrived. And then he'll post like, there's no way someone is online this much. He'll post just a ridiculous amount of stuff a day. And it's within seconds of each other. And they're just like, you know, news articles. And there's a couple of funny memes and stuff. But to be able to do this every day within seconds of each other, this is bizarre. It seems like the more you dive into Mike Markham's case, the more it flowers open and the more dead ends you hit. I've got to find something conclusive here and I'm not finding anything. Like I've got to, I need something grounded saying Mike Markham really did do this or really didn't do this. <clears throat> did he disappear? Is he gone at all? Because we can't prove that's him in the forums. The Facebook thing would have been the smoking gun or finding out about the house fire. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to have to, you know, like flip the baseball cap around, you know, like we're going to have to put on a pot of coffee and do some serious shit. <laughs> I'm going to, I don't care. I don't care if it takes two, three. I, I need to sit here I might have to cut again, but I'm going to sit here until I'm just 100% convinced that this other evidence isn't there. We have to exhaust this one. We have to. I was, I'm back. I was so desperate at one point that I looked up lottery winners with the last name Markham. <laughs> just just to see. And no, there was no Michael Markham on there. I just thought that was an interesting kind of little segue. But uh, yeah, no Michael Markhams or no Mike Markhams uh, have won the lottery. So that there's that. I'm periodically coming back, you know, as I'm doing my research. I don't want to sit here, you know, and bug you guys in silence. Plus, I don't want to be this episode. I don't want this episode to be three hours long. So I'll pop in when I find something interesting during my last leg of this search. Now they're saying I'm seeing another article that's saying this a mysterious dead guy was found in Phoenix and he was covered in third degree burns. Now it's the 1920s. I'm seeing a lot of urban legend stuff here. And very little about the actual Mike Markham. Very, very little. Okay, I am back again. And I did find something. Let me pull up my notes here. Now, Mike Markham. I listened because I just kind of um, 
skimmed over it, but I, I went back and I was like, okay, we need to reground, you know, because sometimes when you're kind of stuck on an investigation, it's best to start from the most basic piece of information and slow your, slowly work your way back forward again. It's like relearning the basics, you know. I went back to that 2015 interview with Art Bell, cleared my head and just listened to it again because nobody's perfect. You know, I could have missed something. And he actually, <laughs> I found another appearance, another one, September 2016. He talked about the house, house fire again. And he mentioned stuff that, I mean, in order for this to not be Mike Markham, now it's just getting crazy. Like, this has to be extremely elaborate. I'm finding more posts dating even now to 2023. It seems like he's living quite a bit under the radar. But I'm not seeing anything that just screams out, you know, conspiracy here. I think what's going on is there's so much urban legend stuff. And this guy is a pretty distinctive voice. After listening to... These <laughs> more recent interviews, even after you know Art Bell's gone with George Nuri, because he's he still appears on the show every once in a while. His voice is unmistakable. Um, I, I I think what happened was when this guy. I don't know if there was a fire or not. That seems to just be a part of the urban legendy kind of part of it. But whatever happened. He ended up in Hawaii, off the grid, homeless, whatever, ends up moving back to Ohio. It probably wasn't until that point he found out that his story had completely exploded on the internet. He knew that it was popular because of Art Bell, but I don't think he realized just how big this thing would get. So I think... Yeah, well, I'm I'm convinced actually that him going off the grid and disappearing into Hawaii for so long, being homeless, and being off the grid—I mean, that just threw kerosene right onto this bonfire. You know what I mean? And people were left to speculate as much as they wanted. I searched my ass off for days, and just now for hours as I was cutting, I've been sitting here for four and a half hours. My back is killing me. <laughs> I did a lot of research on this, and it's driving me crazy. I could find no body found in the 1930s under those circumstances. The one in London, the one in Australia, they're close, but yeah, one of them we have a photo looks nothing like Markham at all. There's no Markham lottery winners. There is a Mike Markham living in Kansas City, Ohio. It says Mike, but not Michael. So is it a common name? Not really, but it could be. We could have another Markham. The house fire thing. I think when he fell off the grid like that, it just threw fuel onto this whole thing, you know, and people were left to wonder and it just kind of contaminated everything that you see on the internet. From what I'm seeing, from what I'm hearing this is way too elaborate to be a conspiracy. This is way too elaborate to be a cover-up. And Mike Markham on the show, his voice is just unmistakable. He's saying things that only Mike Markham would know. Simply, I think it's just a guy who gave up everything 
for the experiment that he wanted. He went in way too deep, ended up getting in trouble with the law, ended up burning down a house, ended up being homeless. There comes a time where you just say, fuck it. You know, maybe I'm not meant to do something. I'm not meant to do this. I need to carry on with my life. This obsession has taken everything from me. It's a good thing to have confidence. It's a good thing to never give up. It's a good thing to be tenacious. It's a good thing to be, you know, almost a little deluded about your dreams. You need to chase them. But man, there comes a point where it, your dream starts taking more than it's giving. And I think he just, he hit that point and he's living a normal life now. This is a bizarre one because the more I dove into it, I just kept seeing more and more things creep up. <laughs> But you kind of start seeing the cracks after a while, too. Even though we couldn't find evidence of the house fire or this and that, re-listening to those Art Bell episodes and hearing Markham's voice, and then people are still crying conspiracy and all that. It, it, it's, it's like saying that, you know, the Travis Walton case, it's like saying that his friends still killed him. You know, even Travis Walton has been back for... He was only gone for five days and he's, he's here, you know, but it's like, it's, it's like, he's still saying that his friends have killed him. You know what I mean? There's evidence more than enough. I found uh, public records that Markham is still living in Kansas city. I, you know, I found the Facebook account where this guy looks way like Mike Markham. He's still obsessed with the same stuff. I think he's on the internet a little too much, <laughs> but he kind of had that problem, you know, to begin with. I think this is a story that just got way out of hand. And he happened to fall off the grid right when it was gathering steam, kind of contaminating the whole story. The Mike Markham time travel thing, I will stamp as debunked. I think we've I think we've researched enough. I think we've seen enough. And some people, you know, you might bark at me for I mean, I did enough research. <laughs> so I, the people that bark at me, I don't know what you're going to bark at me for because, man, I, I researched my ever-loving ass off. And it, it just, yeah, this guy, he's still around. He's still around. The public records thing alone. We don't need evidence of the fire. We don't need evidence of this. We don't need evidence of that. Mike Markham's still here. And he was confirmed to be in Hawaii at the time. I found out that someone had done most of this work for me because of this huge thread I found on Reddit. And you know, I know, I know. Don't believe everything you see on Reddit. But someone did a lot of detective work for me, and these posts were actually made in Hawaii. So I know it's little things that point to Mark, Mike Markham still being around. But after a while, when you see one, and no matter how small they are, you know, and the big things start dropping off or getting more and more elaborate and people treating it as an urban legend thing. And then you see a small thing that debunks it. Then you see another kind of small thing that would debunk it. Then you see another kind of small thing that would debunk it. And then you see another small thing. It's just like, okay, <laughs> this is leading me somewhere debunked. So what do you guys think? Huh? Did I miss anything? Some crucial detail that would have blown this whole thing up. Let me know. Okay, that's all, friends. Special thanks to this week's sponsors who make the show possible. Make sure to check out the link to our Patreon page in this episode's description, where as little as a dollar a month, you get everything from bonus episodes, ad-free stuff, giveaways of certain tiers, outtakes, bloopers, a podcast just for the patrons. Yeah. Shout out to the patrons, by the way. The Conkle Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, Kristen Belt, Dillagaff. I appreciate you. Now, are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about? I don't think so. 
because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day, we'll visit yours. <laughs>